And uh, the next two weeks, we're going to be uh, looking at uh, my favorite parable, the parable of the prodigal son. And today will be part one, and we're going to actually read it here in just a minute. Yeah. So would you read with me? Prodigal son, part one. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Father, I thank you for the presence of your, of your spirit. I thank you, Lord God, for being our father. I thank you for the fact that you are not like us and your thoughts are not our thoughts. And I pray that our thoughts would be, become conformed to yours today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is my favorite uh, parable because it's very personal for me. Um, a few weeks ago, there was an old song that Wayne wrote quite a few years ago that popped up on his radar and mine on the same week. And, we got, and he was saying, well, I was thinking about maybe uh, singing this song one Sunday at church. And I said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach on the prodigal son and you're going to sing this song. So he'll be doing that here in a few minutes. Uh, but it's very personal for both of us because both of us were prodigals. Uh, there probably are some others in this room. But really, this parable uh, is about all of us. It's about those who stray and it's about those who stay. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about those who stay. This week, we're talking about those who stray. The younger son comes to the father and he says, give me my inheritance, which is a strange thing to say to someone who's alive. And you may be thinking, well, I, you know, that doesn't relate to me because I don't have an inheritance. You know, my parents weren't wealthy. They didn't really have 
anything or we, they had, I had so many brothers and sisters, we're still fighting about it. I'm never going to get it. Uh, whatever it may happen to be. But the truth of the matter is you do have an inheritance. Every single person has an inheritance. We have an inheritance that comes to us at birth. And really it can be summed up in, in the one word life. But we start out when all of us are given talent, we're given intelligence, we're given energy. Every single one of us. Um, we have four granddaughters. And occasionally three of them come over and spend the night. And uh, the oldest is seven. And so when the three come over and spend the night, <laughs> you know, when they leave, uh, Margaret tends to be, can you say pooped in, 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 uh, in church? I, uh, worn out, just, yeah. And, and it's understandable because they're just, they're all over the place. Two of them, the two oldest, like to go walk peanut with me. Like to go, that's not a, a food, that's a talk. Uh, like, like to go walk the dog with me. And it's not a long walk, it's only a mile. It's, it's, uh, but the last half of it's uphill. Now you don't realize it's uphill while you're going because you're going downhill. But, when you're, but uh, it starts, it's kind of it's smooth. And then the last tenth of a mile is, uh, is our driveway, and it's a 70-foot rise in, in a tenth of a mile. And I go walk that dog occasionally, and, and I go up that driveway, and, and I think, you know, it's a good thing that heart disease does not run in my family, because if it did, this is where I would go home to be with... <laughs> I'm climbing to you, Lord. <laughs> and and, and, and the, the seven-year-old and the six-year-old will, will get to that driveway, and, and they want to run. I say, do it. Just do it. And they do. And they run up to the top of the hill. And then they come back down to meet us. You're born with energy. People remember energy. You're born with talent. You may go, well, I can't sing, I can't dance. Talent, talent comes in all kinds of flavors and shapes and sizes. You know, some people have uh, athletic skills. Some people, some people uh, have uh, artistic skills, uh, dramatic skills, or, or um, performance arts, or, or maybe uh, fine arts. And, uh, uh, but other people, you know, they have talent as well. A lot of people's personality is their talent. Seriously, I mean, maybe your personality is the kind of personality that people, you know, just are drawn to. Or maybe your personality isn't the kind that people are drawn to, but it is so tenacious that you get stuff done that nobody else could get done. And so you, you have these gifts that are given, and we've been given the universe. I mean, all this, all things are yours, Paul says. We have created a system whereby we think that we have private ownership of stuff, but that's merely a temporary illusion. Uh, you, know, you, don't, you don't know anything. You own a piece of paper. Scripture says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so the plot of ground out on Pawpaw Springs Road where we live, we got a piece of paper. The ground belongs to the Lord because everything is his and, and wonder He's given us beauty and, and wonder. This, uh, uh, this picture here was made yesterday. No, it was made Friday in Smyrna. 
I was out, uh, I was out with Ken Stilger. He's got that photographer's eye, and he said, wow, look at those clouds. I went, yeah, man, I got, my, I got to get my iPhone out here. <laughs> you know, we don't look at things anymore. We just make pictures of them. But it's, 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 it's gorgeous. And I, and I put, it, uh, put it, you know, through some digital magic, and it all looked worse than it did the way God did it. And he's given us, he's given us this, this beauty that's all around us. You may go, well, you know, I, when I look in the mirror, I don't see much beauty. Well, look somewhere else. You'll see it. It's there. If, if all the beauty that you see is what you see in the mirror, then you got problems. And so do the people who live with you. Wonder, sense of wonder that he's put inside of us. This is our inheritance to look at things. We've got a grandson now, and apparently this week he discovered his hand. I know it because his mom sent a picture out of it. It was one of the pictures that went out this week. They're almost daily pictures. There's the, there's the, isn't he handsome picture? There's the, oh, he's happy today picture. Oh, isn't he intelligent picture? You know, and then there's the, he found his hand picture. And remember your hand? And how amazing? You know, that sense of wonder tends to leak out of our lives. And the most important thing that God's given you in an inheritance is he's, he's put you in a world in which he put love. I know the world uh, can be a nasty, dirty place, but, but God created it in such a way that love actually is there. I, I won't take very long on this. I'll go very quickly past it. But uh, the Greeks had four words for love. The first one was storge, and that's, that's the love that a parent has for their child. It's particularly a, a, a mother for a newborn. It's, it's, it's there. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful and strong thing. Now, uh, phileo is another type of love, and it's, it's friendship. It's the love that people have for one another. You've got friends. You know, if you don't have friends, go get you some. They're, they're out there. You know, there, there are people who would like to be your friend. They just, you're too stuck up. Too intimidated. Get, get released. Go. Uh, friends are wonderful things to have. And then there's eros, which is what we generally tend to think of, you know, and, and it's what people write songs about, you know, and, and they write songs on, on both ends of it. They write songs when they're falling in love, and they write songs when, they, when love beat them over the head and kicked them out of the house, you know. Well, uh, but lo- it's fun. Anyway, I mean, you know, love, eros, it's just... I mean, things just, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and then there's agape, which if Eros doesn't become agape, that's where people run into problems. But agape loves an unconditional, absolutely unconditional love. And, that, and that's, what we, that's what we see today, and that's part of your inheritance. We are freely given an inheritance, but if we try to keep it apart from the Father who gave it to us, we lose it. It leaks out because we live in a fallen world. And asking for his inheritance, very bluntly, what the son was saying is, I wish you were dead. Give me my share of the estate. But let's put it a little more mildly because... I don't think any of us ever tend to think, well, God, I wish you were dead. Yeah. 
because we're not, we're better people than that or something. But uh, the basis, the essence of the prodigal condition is this. And this is what he was saying. I want to live my life without reference to you. I want to live my life as if you weren't here. You don't have to be dead, just don't bother me. You don't have to be dead, just let me have my stuff and let me do with it what I want to do. And the Father gives it to him. And we, we tend to look at the parable and, and maybe at times go, well, nah, that's not very realistic. And it's because of our frame of reference. Though it all comes from him, he created it for us. You know, we get so bound up on, in, in what people do or don't deserve. That, that enters into our thinking, what they do or don't deserve. They, they, they do or don't deserve more money. They do or don't deserve a, a better house or a house at all to live in. They do or don't deserve this or that. And, and it's not just about money. They do or don't deserve forgiveness. They do or don't deserve mercy. They do or, or, or don't deserve compassion. We get bound up in that. And we think that God gets bound up in that. But the truth of the matter is that the culture of, that's all about the world's rules. That, that's totally about the world's rules. That's not the culture of heaven. Uh, last month, Margaret and I took a trip to China. Some of you are aware that that's where we went. And it was, uh, it was different. Uh, it's a different culture. There were things about it that we liked a lot. And then there, were, then there was the food. Scorpions, fried scorpions, you know, bugs, nice little delicacies and things, just eyes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, culture is, but you know what? If I had grown up there, those things wouldn't bother me at all. I just kind of go, what? You don't like this? And we're, we're, we're ingrained in this world culture China, United States, Russia, Zimbabwe, wherever we may happen to be, that, that, feels, that feels the need to decide whether someone deserves something or not. The, the rule of heaven is freely you've received, freely give. Heaven looks outward. Heaven, it's a totally different culture, a totally different mindset. And so when the son came to the father and said, you know, give me my share of the inheritance, the father went, here it is. He does the same. He's already done the same for you. Because virtually all of us have at some time come to him and gone, I want it. I want it. Says that he uh, shortly thereafter took what he had and he went to the distant country. When we decide to manage our inheritance ourselves, we have moved over into the distant country. You don't have to get on a plane. To get there, you don't have to get in a car to get there. You don't have to travel physically anywhere to get there. As soon as you make that decision, I'm calling the shots, you're now living in the distant country. That's, that's what it is. And at first, things might not seem so bad. At first, things even might seem liberating. You know, woo, 
Yeah, I'm free. I can do I can do anything I want to do. I'm an adult. You know, when I was a kid, I could not wait to get old enough to go to the grocery store and buy a a, a package of 12 cinnamon rolls and take them home and eat the icing off the top of them and throw the rest away. And I've never done that, but I need to put that on my bucket list because that was <laughs> that might be the bucket itself. <laughs> yeah, it's coming back to me now. What? Yeah. But as we exhaust our inheritance, as it begins to go away and we begin to spend it all, we realize that the distant country actually has is a country is a land of famine. There's, there's always famine there. As long as we've still got God's gifts, we may not recognize it. As long as we've still got that youth, as long as we've still got that energy, as long as those, those, those talents are still, haven't been drained out, are still being used and, and all. We tend to trade those things off for lesser things, though, for things that the, the, the distant country has to offer. Uh, things like fame and fortune and you know and they're not going to be real bright there and that's intentional because they're never really bright they're they're really always illusional and you go well I don't really want fame you want recognition you want I mean from the time you're a little kid you want somebody to look at me mommy until until you well and then and then also we want uh, we, we, we trade it off for uh, excitement yeah, this would be so much. This would be so much fun. Uh, flattery. Sometimes we try, we we exchange it just for flattery. How many young ladies have lost so much because somebody said, "Man, you're pretty." Okay, you know the response to that is, "Thank you very much." Thank you. And then ultimately, we even sacrifice our wonder at the altar of rationality. And we don't wonder anymore. Everything's got an explanation. No, it doesn't. And even these things, as faint as they are, we begin to realize that ultimately they fade away and we end up totally with with nothing. We run from the only true source of Love and then wonder why we can't find it anywhere, why we don't feel it anymore. The world only actually has anything to offer because it feeds off of the inheritance of the stuff that that fresh meat keeps bringing it, just to be quite honest. And as soon as it's finished with you, then the only thing you'll be experiencing is as long as there's a new supply coming in. The world is nothing but a giant Ponzi scheme. Always taking the the new investments that's coming in to to pay off anything. that. But like any Ponzi scheme, there's not enough. There's never enough. It, it, It always runs short. And those who refuse to be a son in the father's house will become a slave in a stranger's house. It's inevitable. It has to work that way. And it isn't about your money. I mean, you can have lots of money. You may go, well, you know, I'm I'm on top of this thing. I've I've got 
I got my 401k and I got all this stuff set aside and everything's paid off. I have no debt. It's not about money. You can have lots of money and without your father, you'll still become enslaved to desires and disillusionment and ultimately to death. (laughs) The scripture then says that he came to his senses and what a beautiful phrase. In fact, I actually like the translations that say he came to himself. I grew up in a, uh, uh, in a pretty legalistic religious household environment. And there came a point in my life where I went, uh, this is not fun. And uh, this isn't really what I want to do. I don't think. This isn't who I want to be. And so... Uh, when I got old enough to, to drive and get away from home and, and leave home and go somewhere else, uh, it was like, yes, now I can be me. I've got to be me. I've got to be. Never mind. You know. And I, uh, so I, I rushed at the world. And was, the only thing was, you know, 10 years later or some, at some point in time, I began to realize this isn't who I thought I was going to become. This, this isn't what I started out to be. This isn't, I'm not the person that I wanted to be. In fact, I seem to kind of be going in the other direction. And when I came back to the Lord, when I was uh, in my mid-20s and I came back to the Lord it began to reawaken in me and I began to realize once again, oh yeah, this is, this is where I am. This is, this is where I find me. This is who I wanted. Yeah. And I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about necessarily the teachings of my youth. The teachings of my youth were great. They really were. And I should have, I should have paid more attention to them than I did. But I'm talking about the desires that God hardwired inside of me when I first came into this world, that, that were just there, yeah, I began to find them again when I, when I came to Jesus. And so when some of these passages say he came to himself, I go, yes, of course, that's exactly what it is. That, 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 that is exactly what it's like. We, we stubbornly struggle and, and, and stumble and, and shun and do everything we can to put off the, the, the day of reckoning, the moment of reckoning, but ultimately it, it comes. And, and hopefully, even if it's kicking and, and screaming, we finally come to ourselves, we come to our senses and realize that just, just surrender can be a remarkably beautiful, invigorating thing. Life begins to rush back in again and fill the void. And so Isaiah 1.18 says, come now, let us reason together. Let us come to our senses together. Let us come to who we are together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they'll be like wool. So the son comes to himself and now we have the father. And boy, what an example. When I, when I uh, went into the ministry full-time, uh, I was 
I knew I was called. The thing I was really concerned about was my family, were my kids, because I grew up in a preacher's home. Uh, there are easier things to do than grow up in a preacher's home. And, uh, you know, and, and the Lord basically pointed me to this example. And so I tried basically throughout, you know, when our kids were real little, I mean, you know, you don't let your little kids do anything they want to do because they're little kids and they're dumb. And you got to, I know yours are above average, but they're above average dumb. And, uh, and you, uh, you know, you have to tell them some things to do and you're going to do this. But as they get older, you know, there comes a time when they're going to start making decisions whether you like it or not. And the example of this father was, you know, hey, I love you. I've given everything I have to you. You're free. You are free to, to make the choices that, that you want to make. And I'm going to love you whatever choices you make. I've planted and sowed and plowed and put everything in there we can. But now you're free. It is your life. I'm not going to try and make, make you live it the way I want you to. Because that's not what God does to us. Well, when the father, this wonderful father, as soon as his son turned, it says that he saw him a long way off. And I love that. I understand that in, uh, in songbooks, you remember songbooks. There's this uh, song, and I think it's just titled Watching You, but you know it by there's an all-seeing eye watching you. We never sang it at our church, but we felt it. We, we, we got it. We understood the gist of it, for sure. And I, and I always had a problem with that. But I had a revelation uh, as my kids started to get a little older. And uh, I'd watch Isaac play sports and, and, uh, and, and Arwen cheerlead and, and Valerie. And, and Valerie was on the dance team. Yeah. And, uh, and, and all of them uh, on plays and stuff. I, the revelation that I had was when I went to those things, I just went to see them. You ever been to a dance recital? Those things last forever. And somehow or another, your child always ends up being in the first number and in the last number. There's a reason for that. When I was in high school, I played football. Yeah. And, uh, and, and during the football games, I would, uh, you know, we'd play the first half of the football game. And then, and then this, this thing called the band would come out on the field while, while, while we were out doing serious business. And then we'd get back out and we'd play football again. And I used to wonder, you know, why? When I got older, I understand at least half of the people in those stands would not be there if that band wasn't playing at halftime. If those girls weren't cheerleaders, they didn't come to see me throw interceptions. They came. Well, I did other things too, but they came to see Junior play the tuba. Or, or, or to see Sissy, you know, twirl her little thing there, the baton thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that was what they came for. 
Parents watch their kids because they're their kids. And they love them. And, and after my kids got old enough uh, that they weren't in high school anymore, you know what? I didn't go to those games anymore. I didn't go to swim meets anymore. I mean, they were still good. They were still fun. My kids weren't there. That's what it boiled down to. God is watching you for your good, not for your bad. And then and it says that he ran to him. I was so far from God. When, when I turned around to go back to him, I was stunned at how close he was. I was stunned at how quickly he was there. And really, the truth of the matter is, he probably was always that close. He is, in fact, omnipresent. Will God accept me after all I've done? I mean, so many people, that, that's the thing. I'm so far away from God. Will he accept me? Just very quickly, a few scriptures. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Take, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. What is the precondition? If you're weary. If you're burdened, that's, that's the only precondition that's there. Isaiah 55, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. and You have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. The only precondition, thirsty. N not close, thirsty. If you're thirsty. And he goes on to say, let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord. He, he will have mercy on them. To our God, he will freely pardon. So, I, you know, I don't know if I can forsake all my wicked ways and my, my unrighteous thoughts. Well, welcome to the club. He will have mercy. He will freely pardon. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. We would, we would put those conditions on there. He doesn't do that. He thinks different from us. And then he restored him. The son had prepared a speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Let me be like one of your hired servants. Get, give me a job. And so he came and he started doing the speech. Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. Yeah, you have. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Oh, wow. You've grown a lot. You know that? And then he cut him off. Don't want to hear about this. Give me a job. Quick. Bring, bring a robe. Bring a, bring a ring. Bring shoes. Kill the fatted calf. See, God is not looking for servants or slaves. He's looking for sons. That's what he's looking for. You know, I mean, I doubt that very many of us grew up in a household that had servants in it. But there's a big difference between telling your servant, go do something, and telling your child, go do something. You go, well, no, but they're both going to, there's a whole different level of why that's being said and what they're being prepared for and what the whole I'm not saying you shouldn't serve I'm just saying that that's that's third on the list that's fifth on the list first on the list is you want to be a child of the house 
That's what he's looking for. He can create servants. God can just go servants, be. And there they are. But the only way he gets sons is through his only begotten son who brings many sons to glory. Sons and daughters. Our church theology has so often implanted the mindset of a hired servant trying to earn favor, trying to earn their, their, their keep. And it turns the gospel in, into nothing more than a, an Islamist being a slave of God or a Hindu struggling on the wheel of karma. That's not what this is. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. A robe, a ring, a shoes, feast. Wayne, come on up. Uh, not going to really spend time on those things. Obviously, sermons could be preached about them. Uh, a robe of righteousness, uh, which we're clothed in with Jesus Christ. A ring uh, symbolizing authority, belonging to the, to the house, to the home. We are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Our, our, our feet are fitted with the, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shoes. And that's all good, but I like the feast. That's, that's the one I like. That uh, passage in Isaiah that talked about, um, come all who are thirsty. God will freely pardon. He'll freely forgive. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. That chapter ends up by saying, you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Uh, I mentioned this song. Let me bring one verse up here before I do it. When I came back to the Lord, this is a verse that probably one of them that hit me the hardest. And I know it was very instrumental in Wayne's life as well. He lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and mire he set my feet on a rock gave me a firm place to stand he put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our God many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord and I remember coming back to the Lord and coming across that verse and going yes that's it that's exactly what he did that's exactly where I was and exactly the transformation that took place and I know it took place in Wayne's life too. And uh, anyway, this is my favorite Wayne Berry song. Long. But now that 
prodigal um, it's no accident that you're here will God accept me well he brought you here to hear this this message he brought you here to feel this spirit yeah he'll accept you absolutely will there's one other group though I'd like to mention if you're here and you're involved with a prodigal uh, there's, a, there's a prodigal in your family that's a it's an issue this would be a this would be a powerful morning come and pray for them so uh, we're going to worship for a few moments if you if you don't need to come then worship with us otherwise come for prayer By a love I can't explain 
and I'm forever changed. I've abandoned everything I've ever known. Now I surrender. My life is not my own. I belong to you. I belong to you. I belong to you. Say, I belong.
somebody to pray with you and you're not moving because you don't see somebody down here to pray with you. If you'll come down, there'll be somebody to pray with you. God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world as a Redeemer. May that spirit of redemption 
not only be at work in you, may it be at, in work, at work through you to bring the Father's love and the joy of the gospel to the world through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.